0: Welcome to Worship at Grace Laken. This service was recorded on February 20th, 2022. Pastor Rem Dias continues the Jonah series, bringing a gospel message from Jonah chapter 3 with his sermon titled, Do I Get a Second Chance? Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you this morning. And, um, you know, we always start our worship with the mission statement that's printed at the top of your worship guide, the reason we're gathering here, the reason we're planning a church, is because by grace we are rooted in the gospel, committed to growing together, and sent to love Lincoln and the nations. Um, I'd like to just ask for your prayers uh, for the two members of our worship team. You know, Chad is still mourning the passing of his father, He's uh, with his sister this weekend, um, so that's great that he gets to be with family and just keep him in your prayers and all of um, extra's family, and um, Katie has gone to Costa Rica, they're adopting two children, they'll be there for the next two months, so just keep them in your prayers at, at meal times, at bedtimes, um, you can connect to them on the WhatsApp while they're there, um, and we can't wait for them to come back and get to love on two new members of the congregation. So, uh, that'll be great. Um, if you would please rise. Yeah,
1: and oh, well, nice and since they're both gone, I expect all of you guys to sing out a little bit extra. <laughs> Good morning. Our call to worship this morning is based on Psalm 28, 6 through 9. I'll read the leader part and y'all can join in for all. Bless the Lord. Come before Him with praises. For he has heard the voice of our pleas for mercy. I will praise the Lord, for he is my strength and my shield. In him I trust, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. Bring your request before him, for the Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. We will seek him alone. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be our shepherd and carry us forever.
0: us that we can live and move and have your being within us, God. You are all powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, and yet you care for each one of us. You know the hairs on our heads. You've called us to you since before, since we were in our mother's womb, God, and we just thank you. We thank you for that. And today we ask for your presence here in each one of our hearts. We ask that you would you would move us to take our eyes off of ourselves. To look at you, to know that you are the only true joy that can last in our lives. And help us to put down the things of this world that will all turn to dust. Our bodies, our careers, our everything, God. You are the only thing that's eternal. And you're what we seek today, Lord. We just ask that you would fill us with your spirit. That we could go out into the world today at the end of the service. And love on people the way you've loved us when they don't deserve it, just like we didn't deserve it, um, with uh, an unstoppable, unending love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: As we do that, we we do it with Scripture. And Psalms, so the the renewal comes from Psalm 32, um, a famous psalm of David. He's calling out to God, and this is what he says in Psalm 32, 1 through 4. Blessed is the man whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. And then this next verse is really interesting. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. And so I want to remind us of something. Let's not get in the routine of our liturgy, of what we're doing here. Let's not get in the routine of a time of silent prayer and confession. But let's, let's hear this word is that actually when, when we keep our sin to ourselves and when we, we keep in this sinful way and we don't bring it before the Lord, guess what he's saying? He's like, you feel it in your bones. It's literally what he says. My, my bones wasted away and I'm groaning all day, Lord. So let's, let's just be honest this morning in our time of silent prayer and confession, just bringing him our sin, our worry, our pain, whatever it may be. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. I love it. I love it, Father, um, that you meet us right where we're at. And I'm so thankful for this time where we can just be honest. And I'm thankful that, God, you meet us again where we're at. And it's... It's not in our power of self-will that we can try to conquer our sin, but God, it's in the power, the life, death, and resurrection of you, King Jesus. So help us just to taste and see that the Lord is good this morning, that you are good this morning, that your spirit would move amongst us, that God, you you would just protect us from distraction this morning. You know, there's some of us probably who're thinking, "Oh, I gotta get this today, and this this week." Could you just help us to be present here this morning, to be have our hearts open to what you want to continue to do amongst us? So, thank you for for this time, and it's in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, the assurance of our pardon, you know, then he goes into verse five. So, our bones are wasting away, but then look at look at verse five. I acknowledge my sin to you. And so, if you just did this, here's the promise. I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. Boom, here's the promise. And you forgave the iniqu- iniquity of my sin. Amen. Amen and amen. I think we should stand and sing a song in response to that. So, would you invite you to stand? Great job, Eric. Do this by yourself. Hey, great job singing. Great job singing. All right, all right. Good job. How we doing again? How we doing? Everybody doing all right? All right. You can talk back. It's all right. In church, no, no worries there. Well, hey, we are in Jonah, um, and we have come to the third chapter. Hard to believe. Uh, there's only four, so we are we are almost there. I think next week. Uh, we are only going to look at the first four verses of chapter 4, and then the week after that, we will, we will wrap up Jonah. Uh, I might do the, all, the whole chapter, and it'll be like a two-hour sermon next week. Who knows? And now you're like, oh man, no one's going to be here next week. Uh, but we're going to be in chapter 3 today. Chapter 3, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just dive right in. And so chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Everybody say the second time. The second time. There you go. The Lord, so it came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city three days in journey and breath. Jonah began to go into this city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. <laughs> and the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And then the word the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast, you gotta catch that, let man and beast, Be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from their evil way, from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn, and relent, and turn from his fierce anger, so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them and he did not do it. I'm titled in this message. Do I get another chance? Do I get another chance? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I say that every week. But God, may it not be lip service. I'm truly, like... Help us to be truly thankful. Help us just to be aware of what's happening again this morning. That we actually believe this is your breath on page. This is your word. And that God, I'm just praying that your word would just wash over us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, you would just help us to see. You would help us just to see what's here. And that God, you would give glory. That the cross would be magnified, that Jesus would transform us more today into his image. And so just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how many of you remember your high school summer job? Remember? You see some had knobs? Raise your hand. That's okay. You're a high school summer job. Okay. Uh, I had many high school summer jobs. Uh, I remember my high school summer job here in western Kansas. Alright, I, yeah, yeah, I, I worked for a farmer, by golly, I did, and I, you know, and this farmer was terrifying, he was like this 8 foot tall guy, gnarly, gnarly big mustache, big hands, just scary, I think he was bigger than Kim, I, I mean, he, and, and like, he just, he just scared me. And I just remember, like, driving my little tractor, dumping grain everywhere, the first harvest, just being terrified about everything. Anyway, I just remember that a lot. But the, the, my first job, <laughs> my first job I actually got when I was in junior high. Uh, and I was living in Wilmore, Kentucky at the time. My mom was going to seminary in Wilmore, uh, and I, I got a job. Uh, we lived next to a a sportsmen's club, a, like where they go and shoot guns and do all this great stuff. It was really cool, um, and so I got a job as a trapper. Okay, so I would take sporting plates, put them in the you know these little machines, and they would say pull, and you pull it, and and then they'd pull, you know, and oh man, I I think I've lost some hearing from that job because it's just was crazy. But anyway, so I remember my boss. My boss was a guy named Bruce. He had like this wicker hat, and he always was smoking a big cigar. And he just was so like intimidating, mean, I didn't really want to look him in the eyes. It just felt like I'm a junior hire. i was just my first job. And so I remember, I go to work one day, and I'm like 10 minutes late, okay? I'm like 10 minutes late. And, and you know it was probably because I was messing around at my house, and I was just junior hire, okay? I remember pulling up and he just looks at me, he's just scouting, smoking his big cigar. And he just he looked at me and he's like, you're late. I like, I know. He's like, we're gonna have to let you go. And I was like, "Telly, I want you right now. I'm about to cry. Like, what? I've never been fired and this is my first job. And, and like, I just remember that scarred so much, but I remember thinking so hard, don't I get another chance? Don't I get a warning? Or something? Or like, isn't there? You know, I, can I just try again tomorrow? And there's no second chance. There's no chance. No, no warning. I was just fired. Well, I thought about that story. I really did. Because Jonah chapter 3 reads totally different. It really does. Jonah chapter 3, we have God actually initiating a warning. He's actually giving Jonah a second chance. He's, he's actually coming towards Nineveh. And say, hey, I'm going to have mercy on you. And it's not that God is going to just sweep things under the rug. It's not like God would let everyone always be late. No, there's, there's judgment and wrath with God. But we're also going to see that his judgment and wrath and his warning is actually a great way of showing love to you, Nate. It really is. Um, A.W. Tozer. Famous scholar, I would, I would just really recommend, uh, if you want to get some good reading, get some deep reading, read some like Tozer, C.S. Lewis, John Calvin or something. But A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, okay, and it's a, it's a small book, but it's dense. He starts his book by saying this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because if you think God is some, again, angry dictator, Bruce guy with a cigar, mad all the time, that is going to totally change the way you think about Christianity. If you think God is just some lax, lazy, lovey-dovey, like woo-woo-woo guy, that, that, that's going to change. It's the most important thing. So, I really believe, here's, here's my end this morning. I just want to show you two observations about God. Who he is, and his warning, and, and his judgment, and also, but his relenting grace. Because God, guys, here's what it is, when, when we repent, when we repent, of God does relent. And so that's what we're going to see. Two observations, here we go. Number one, God gives us second chances, so we're going to see that in verses one through four. And then, number two, God gives you relenting grace in repentance where we talk a little bit about repentance. So, here we go. Let's dive into that first one. God gives you second chances. Look at how chapter 3 starts. The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now, when I prepare uh, a a sermon and I go through a text, uh, there are certain texts that I really do feel like God just wants maybe one person or some people just to hear this one thing. And I honestly believe there's some of you that maybe just need to hear just this one thing right here. This verse is a summary, again, of the Bible. We said that chapter 2, verse 9 last week is another summary of the Bible. Salvation belongs to the Lord. But I really believe you need to hear this verse. God comes a second time. Most pastors, literally, that go through Jonah, spend their whole sermon on this one verse because, again, it is God takes, He comes again in your giant messes it up and says, "Hey, there's grace." I mean, is this not the story of the Bible? Think about all the second chances in the Bible. Abraham had a second chance. Moses had a second chance. My favorite one, Peter. I mean, think about this is hilarious. Peter, like, we're gonna do communion, so they're up, like, they're up. And when this was instituted, they were up in the upper room, and, and Peter's like, "Oh, hey, I would, I'm gonna die for you, Jesus. I, I'm gonna die for you. Like, uh, I, am I'm, I'm all in." And what does Jesus say? He's like, "Dude," you, well, he doesn't say "dude," but he, he's, hey, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna deny me. You're gonna deny me three times, and he does. He ends up denying him, and like the the pinnacle point of Jesus's ministry, he ends up just denying him. And then, guess who's the leader of the church? And axe, Peter. Say, like one of the main leaders. So it's amazing to me that Jesus comes again, guys, to us. And I want you to really think about this. Have you ever made, or maybe you're, you currently feel this right now, have you ever made a decision that you feel like God could in no way redeem that because I'm telling you we have an enemy we have an enemy saying, and he just, wants you, he just wants to destroy your life and you know what he's always going to want to whisper to you in your mess ups there's no hope there's no hope you've ruined everything there, there's no hope. just, you've ruined it. You it just gave up. And our God is like, are you kidding me? No. Our God is about fresh starts and new beginnings. As long as there's breath in your lungs, guys, that's that thing that you thought would take you out, is again, God's opportunity. He wants to come in, redeem it. And it gets even better because the text goes on and it says, arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And then verse 3, here's the big difference. Here's how Jonah 1 should have read, really. Look at verse 6. It says this, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Instead of what? Arising and fleeing. He arose, went went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And this is a little bit to a tangent, but I want you to look at According to the word of the Lord, he listened to the word of the Lord. And what did it do? It changed his direction. Now, I'm going to say something that might rattle some of you, but you never just read the Bible. Okay? Like, you never just if you think, I just come and I read the Bible, and some of you are like, what? what's he saying? No, the Bible actually reads you. That's how you should approach this book. Because we believe, again, this is God's breath on a page. Like, it's literally, it's moving, it's active, it's his real work. So when you sit down and you say, oh, I'm going to read the Bible, and I and you and you have that mentality. It's like, I'm going to read into it and read into it. Instead of, no, God come. And teach me. That's the posture here, guys. That's the posture. And because if you come, you want to bring all of your things to this word. You want to bring your preconceived notions, what you think is right and you're wrong, but the best way is understanding that you are bringing those things to your reading of the word. And you need to say, Lord, help me. Strip those things out of the way and just speak and mold me and shape me. Because it did. It changed Jonah's direction. So he obeys the word of the Lord. It changes him. And then it says, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey and breadth." That just means it took three days to get across it. I mean, just massive city. And then it says, Jonah began to go into the city. Go a day's journey. And he called out, here's his sermon, ready? Here's his sermon. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. (laughs) And then verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. (sighs) I read that and I was like, are you crazy? That's crazy because one, remember, and we're going to get into this, how corrupt Nineveh was. How big it was. And you have... One dude, Jonah, going in there, and just one prophet. He's just one guy, and then his and then his sermon. Okay, I just laughed. His sermon. His sermon goes against everything they teach you to do in seminary. Literally everything. You know, in seminary they tell you like, oh, you need like an introduction, and you need like you need to like illustrate the text. And you need to apply it, and you've got to dive into the Hebrew and Greek, and you've got to make sure you walk through the text. You don't do any of that. You know what he says? Turn or burn. I believe that was the message every morning. You're to grace like you make a turn, you're gonna burn! Like, <laughs> I mean, that's literally what he says. And see, literally, it's it's this sermon is five words in the Hebrew. It's just five words. It's five words. And see what we learn here. Why am I going on about this in Second Chances? Because this is what we learn here, guys. Listen. God does not call us because we are able. He calls us because He is able. Listen. It wasn't because Jonah came and said, okay, I'm going to get my laser light show and my smoke machine and, oh, Hillsong, bam, is going to come up at the right moment and play softly and I'm really going to tell that funny story and everyone's going to get saved. No, are you kidding me? What did he have? He had the word of God and the spirit of God. He had the word of God and that's all It takes. The word of God is powerful and active. The spirit of God is powerful and active. And he spoke and it moved and it changed in him. Listen, this means, this brings me so much hope because I can take the pressure, you can take the pressure. No one, no human in the history of the world, besides Christ, has the ability to change a human heart. You realize that, Right? And so, parents in the room, take a deep breath. Okay, can you just, we just need to, we just need to blow it down sometimes. Because you know what we do? We put way too much pressure on our on us to change we, it. It's up to us to change our, our kids' heart. You ain't changing your kids' heart. But what you can do is wash them in the Word. What you can do is be about, Serious prayer that the Spirit will move in their life. You might not be able to change your boss's heart, your neighbor's heart, your your husband or your wife's heart, but you know who can and what can is the Word of God. They're interacting with God. And, And so what are you doing to wash the people around you in the Word of God? To wash and to bathe them in prayer. And listen, I want to say something. The best avenues for you to do that, the best avenues for you to be about sharing the hope of Jesus is going to come through your failure, is going to come through your times of second chances. So we did, um, we did Fields of Faith, and I thought it was such a great event, and it was so good. But we, did, we did that in Hillsboro too, and I remember one speaker I got for that event was a guy named Brian Worth. And I, I met this pastor at this big, big conference and like, I don't know how I ended up meeting this guy but basically his story is phenomenal. He was, um, he was in a gang at a very young age and he was in a drive-by shooting and somehow it was linked that he, he killed a, a, young, a young man in this drive-by shooting and he was sentenced to life in prison. Sentenced to life in prison. And in prison, he just got, got a hold of his heart. Transformed, Grace transformed him. He, he came to love Jesus, and, 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 and it was an amazing thing. And then it came back that he actually got out of jail when he was like 30, and he, he said, you know what, Lord, I don't want to do anything else with my life but be a pastor and plant churches. He leads the fastest-growing free Methodist church in the nation right now. And do you know who, that, who he's reaching and who is growing? The gangs in Los Angeles. Uh, maybe I'll get him to come this this next fields of faith or something but this guy's story is amazing but listen the very thing again that was his second chance is the very thing that God is going to redeem and why that is guys is because you your second chance your failure mixed with the grace of God gives you an opportunity gives you a platform that people are walking in this very same thing it makes it an opportunity for you to be vulnerable so God doesn't need your eloquence. He just needs your availability. He just needs your availability. He just needs your your will, and you need to trust in the Word and the Spirit. So God comes again and relents in second chances. Then God comes again and gives you relenting grace in repentance. In repentance. So let's look at how the Nineveh again responds. So verse five, it says, The people believed. It was an automatic response. The word, the word believe is first in the Hebrew, meaning it is signifying they didn't waste any time, unlike Jonah and unlike most the Israelites who hear uh, prophets. So again, they believed instantly. And then it says, From the least to the greatest they put on sackcloth. So fasting in sackcloth meant it, it was a lament and grief of humiliation. And then it says, Not just the least notice, not just the least of these and the greatest of these, put on sackcloths and ashes, but then it says in verse 6 the king. The word reached the king, and he arose from his throne, removed his robes, covered himself with sackcloths and satin ashes, and he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh but the decrees of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast nor, nor nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast become with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from his violence that is in his hand. Who knows? God may relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. You know, I was reading and many scholars believe that there's really nowhere else in the Bible that we see such great corporate repentance. And I want to remind you again how completely evil Nineveh was. Again, they would skin men, women, children alive with, that they would conquer these, these citizens. Skin them alive and then they would put these skins all around their outer borders of Nineveh to say, don't mess with us. And this is who God pursues. And it even stirred my heart even more when I understood verse three. If you want to jump back to verse three, it says Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, and you just think that might mean big. But again, the more you dive into the language in the Hebrew, it's, it means a great city to God. I'm say saying this is a great city to God. Like He loved the people there. And, and it was a great city to him. And see, when... Oh, my goodness. Again, you've got to remember Tozer's quote. When we think about God, most of the time we think judge, His judgment. And, and when we talk about judgment and His wrath towards sin and the sinner. Uh, and when we talk about repentance, like us laying down and saying sorry. We think those are bad things. <laughs> Like, those are really, really bad things. And I would actually argue, no, it's, it's actually not. See, it's actually his love. And most of the time, when we think of God's love, we think of it like a, a, a cozy grandpa with like a cardigan and like you're in, in his lap and he's like feeding you candy or something. Like, there's no problem. No, like, see, God's love is being expressed through judgment. Like one author said, if you announce judgment, it is not because you intend to judge, it is because you intend to redeem. Without any warning, I mean, it just, no, the warning is a sign of an opportunity for redemption. And see, and Jonah's warning is is implying that if they will re- repent, he's going to relent. Because even Jeremiah, Jeremiah, another famous prophet says in Jeremiah 18.8, he says, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intend to do it. So anytime when God throughout the Bible is saying, I'm going to bring justice, it's an opportunity, as Jeremiah is saying, it's, it's actually a good thing. And Nineveh, listen, Nineveh gives us a good window into what true and authentic repentance looks like. And now when I say repentance, a lot of like, what, you written, what do you mean? Like, what is, repentance is simply turning from sin. That's like the most basic way to say what repentance is. But there's, there's two sides to the coin of repentance. So you have turning from sin, but then you're turning to God in faith. So this is really the Christian walk, repentance and faith, repentance and faith. <laughs> we turn from sin, we turn to God in his mercy. Martin Luther, famous right, like church reformer. Uh, you know, you learn about him in maybe in history class when he posted these 95 theses on the on, on the church door of Wittenberg and really started the Protestant Reformation. Do you want to know what number one? Does anybody know what number one of his 95 theses says? It says this: When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, He will the entire life. The entire life of believers be one of repentance. <laughs> it's a pretty bold statement, and I would agree. Christian life, it, guys, it's it's a daily surrender of repentance. And, and and what does I want to help us? Because there's there's counterfeit repentance, and then I think there's true repentance. And we kind of actually been about this in our small groups. Um, but he says. Number one, what true repentance looks like is they and they had a true sorrow. Nineveh had a true sorrow for their sin not just the consequences for their sin. Okay, look at the verse. Verses five and nine talks about how they were putting on fat, these, these sackcloths and sitting in ashes, right? And then I catch this. They even had their, did anybody catch it? They had their animals put on sackcloths and not feed them. And I meant to ask Tys about this, but uh, some commentators were saying, why would they not feed the cattle? Because they would move, right? Like if you don't, if they're hungry, no, that's not true. Shoot. These commentators, they don't but like if you don't feed cattle, like I don't know, like I remember when I when I first came here and we were out there with the Jaggers feeding their cattle, they were just running, brr, But anyway, like there there is this sign, like, yeah, there there, there is Deep sorrow here. There is deep sorrow for what they have done. Their, their sin, not just about their, their, their evil. See, if we are just listen, if we are just sorrowful for the consequences of our sin. So things like, boomer, I I cheated at work, and now I might get fired. You're just worried about being fired. Or I got in that argument with my wife and now all oh, the consequences of that, I just got to deal with trying to fix everything in the house and now I got to go through the whole, I'm sorry, you're sorry, and the whole process of that. And that's all you're worried about is just how long it's going to take to make. And you're not looking inward. See, David, when he, when he sinned, he said, against you and you only got to I to Huh. and let me just say this if you have remorse many of us like that when we come to that time of silent prayer and confession you might feel where you've said you messed up and you feel in your heart maybe remorse sadness maybe not overweight but just that is actually a good sign that the spirit's working in your heart because uh, I, I recall the. Uh, I, I heard that, that when doctors say as long as a disease appendix hurts, there's, there's actually hope for safe removal. The danger period is when it stops hurting and, and may mean that the appendix has burst and spread poison throughout the entire body. So the author says, so be glad that when your sin and your conscience still hurts, it leads you towards repentance. And so the application here, guys, is is really I just would you just pray that God would break your heart for your sin? Like He would allow you to just pray, God, would you just break my heart? And ask Him to show you the heart issues in your sin. Like most of us have these idols, and our small group did kind of dove, dove into this, but some of us have an idol of approval. That, that's your pastor sometimes. And so, what does that look like? The outward sins is a life of sometimes I get anxious or fear what people think. You have an idol of control. It might be you, you might manipulate a situation or gossip, those might be outward sins. You have an idol of reputation. You feel it might be important to cut others down to protect your reputation. So I would just, I would just plead with you, guys. When we come and when we would, we would Lord God, would you break our heart? Help us to see our deep sin and just that it's against you. And we wouldn't be just so concerned about these consequences of our sin. Yes, there is consequences for our sin, but help us to cut it at the root. And then we also see that Nineveh. Did not just have sorrow. They didn't just have sorrow and say again, they got to the heart of it. But they had a turning in action from their sin. Uh, J.I. Packer says, repentance is a change of mind issued in a change of life. And I mean that's what the text says. I and mean, look at verse 8. He says, Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. <laughs> See, they were number one, they were very specific about their sins. Their evil. And 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 it was it was the evil, but then they said, what? it was our violence. They were specific. And when we come to a time of prayer, God, I would just say, be specific. Yeah, like Lord, thank you, forgive me for my sins, but be, be specific with God. Be specific. Lord, help me, help me with this, whatever it may be. But be and then. Take action. Make war on your sin. And see, I think this would probably be a really bad sermon if then I said, "Make war on your sin, just fight your sin. Let's pray and not really give you the source and the power of how do I fight sin. Because most Christians think the Christian life is about just avoiding sin. That is not the Christian life. That, that sounds miserable to me. It's not just like, oh my God, sin's everywhere, it's going to destroy me, that's avoided. No, that is, yes, it, it is. It, it, it wants to take you out, but it's about being enchanted by a greater glory. It's not just about sin avoidance, but being wooed and awed by a deeper love of God and his grace. And I love what Calvin says. He says, no one, no one can willfully submit to God except he has previously known his goodness and entertained a hope of salvation. For he who is touched only with fear Fear of God's presence, and then despair prevails, and perverseness follows. See, you're not—we're not, not going to find power in repentance if we have a small view of God. And look at how I love how the text says. They say, "Who knows? Who knows? God may relent." He may turn to relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And I circled who knows in my Bible and I thought, oh my gosh. I wanted to be like, right, hey, call on me. Who knows? Call on me. And I was like, man, I wish I could call Doc and get in the the DeLorean and hit the flux capacitor and fly back in time and then be like, hey, I know. I I actually know that in, in your turning, God is going to relent. God is going to turn. He is going. There's hope that you're crying out. That he is is for you. He's going to cover your sin. And then that's what verse 10 says. This is when God saw that they. What they did. And how they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster. That he said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Now I want to land the plane like this. I want you to see something. I am all about God's sovereignty. In the Reformed tradition, we love talking about God's sovereignty. He's controlled everything. But what we mean is we, we don't believe in fatalism either. Like God just, my will is nothing and not. No, he wants you to call out to him. He, he says right here, they called out, they cried out, he wants you to call out to him in the midst of your sin so he can't relent. See, God is for you again in your second chances and in your, he's with you in your fight against sin. And how do I know that? Why can I say that? It's because, just think about it. Just as this wicked king did you catch it? What did he do? He got off his throne and took off his robes. And now that's it's the same thing. So Jesus, the King of the universe, guys, he got off his throne. He took off his robes. Not because he'd sinned and you know he was angry But because he did. And I did. says this. He was in Jesus, about Jesus. He was in the form of God. And he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death. Even death on the And he did it because he knew you and I would be second and third and fourth chances. He knew. He knew that we would need to turn and that God could relent. God could relent from his wrath and his judgment towards you and me because it was poured out upon Christ. So again, do we really get another chance? Left to yourself? No. you just go to your, No. But do you get another chance? Absolutely in Christ. Look to Him. Call out to Him. Our God is a God of second chances and we're when we turn in repentance. Let us pray. Father, I thank You. So much for your word. It does all the work. But Lord, I pray you would take what I said just, and just and, and help us. Help us to not just be hearers, but be doers of this word. And so some of us might need to say right now, right here, I just that they feel the way of their failure, their mess up, and Lord, I pray they just need the word of God washing over them that you're a God of second chance, that you are a redeeming, fresh start, God through life in Christ. So Holy Spirit, move. Produce faith. Give faith to those who need to put and rest in you, Jesus, Your finished work. Thank you, God, that when we repent, when we turn, you do repent. You do repent. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with that, I mean, what a, I was thinking, you know, you always want to tie this, this the, the text into the, the elements. I was like, oh my goodness. Like this one's, some weeks it's like it's harder, but this week it's like, oh, it's so easy. <laughs> you kidding me? Because the reason why, listen, the reason why, again, God can relent and God can move towards you because Jesus' body was broken. It was broken and, and his blood was shed, absorbing, taking on the wrath and, the, and oh God, and expressing also his love, his love for you and through me, and I—I I love it that this table, that if you're a believer, you need this table so bad. We need it so bad because, again, our God's God of second chances, and He knew He needed to give it to the disciples. Why? Because this is not just some memorial. We're not just saying, oh, this is just a cute little remembrance. But we're actually believing that the Spirit is here. It's actually working in these elements to strengthen our union with Christ. You come to this table in need. I mean this again and again. Because it's so great that God has given it to us. And so this, again, I, I say this, but this is not the table of Grace Laking. This is not the, table is not a, a, the, the particular table of the Presbyterian Church. This is the Lord's table. This is His invitation. And this is an invitation for those who know they need it and, and for those who have put faith in Christ. This is for the believer in good standing with this church and it's, it's for the believer. So if you're not a believer, I would just encourage you just to, to look on and, and, to, and to look on the elements and, and, and to see this is what Christ has done for you. He has broken His body and shed His blood for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so I would just invite you to sit and stand and be in awe and put faith in Christ in this time. But I wanna I want to read the words of the institution. As always, 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord, for I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was portrayed, he took bread. He took bread, and, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. And so, Lord, we ask that you would just bless these elements again the simple juice and this and, and loaf. And, Lord, I, I pray. Father God, thank you that you have provided a way <laughs> through Christ. Thank you, Christ, for laying down your life for us. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you move in this time to strengthen us. And I pray you would. I pray you would move in this in a mighty way that God, it would, begin to strengthen our community. So help us prepare our hearts. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, we use intention here. Fancy, fancy way of saying we, we take a piece of the bread and we dip it in the cup and, and then you will return. So we'll be over here. Um, and so when your heart is ready, okay, when your heart is ready, we're going to ask you to come forward and we'll tear a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. Father, just thank you. Thank you again for what you've done for us. Please, please, Father, help our hearts, help our hearts to rest for in your finished work, not only what we do, but what you have done. in us the sacrament. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, well, you can see, you know, we come to a times of tithes and offering, and you're like, oh, why is this always at the end? Because there is a, there is a part that we are responding. You know, communion is the way we respond, but the way we also respond in worship is through our giving. Uh, and so 2 Corinthians 8.3 says, says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And so I love 1 Corinthians 8, because it's talking about this church who's you know, not doing, it's pretty not doing so good. Um, and yet they're giving. They're giving beyond their ability. They're still able to matter. What do we have? We're giving. And so I just encourage you that giving is a way that it's, it's, we're hoping to expand the kingdom with what we're giving. And and we're trusting it to the Lord. So if your heart's story to give, there's uh, the black box in the back, you can drop your donation in there, and there's also ways you can give online. So I encourage you to do so. But with that, would you invite you to stay in, alright, and sing it out uh, our last song here.
0: Joining us at Grace Laken. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace KS, on YouTube, and at GraceLaken.com.